28, please. Matthew 28. Uh, this will be our uh, text for this morning. Uh, a very, very familiar verse uh, to uh, all of us. Uh, and I trust that it's not losing uh, its shine and its message uh, to those of us who have been in the faith for so long. <clears throat> At Zurich, after many disputations between Swinglius and the Anabaptists, the Senate made an act that uh, if any presume to rebaptize those who were baptized before as infants, they should be drowned. At Vienna, many Anabaptists were tied together in chains that one drew the other after him into the river where they were all drowned. Vida Supra, page 61. In the year of our Lord, 1539, two Anabaptists were burned beyond Southwark, and a little before them, five Dutch Anabaptists were burned in Smithfield, Fuller Church history. In 1160, a company of Baptists entered Oxford. Henry II ordered them to be branded on the forehead with hot irons publicly whipped them through the streets of the city to have their garments cut short at the girdles and be turned into the open country. The villages were not to afford them any shelter or food, and they perished a lingering death from cold and hunger. Earlier and later, Nonconformity in Oxford, page 12, written by Moore. The old chronicle, chronicler Stowe, A.D. 1533, relates, and I quote, The 25th of May in St. Paul's Church in London examined 19 men and 6 women. 14 of them were condemned. A man and a woman were burned at Smithfield. The other 12 of them were sent to towns there to be burned. Froud, the English historian, says of these Anabaptist martyrs, the details are all gone, their names are gone, scarcely the facts seem worth mentioning. For them, no Europe was agitated, no court was ordered in mourning, no papal hearts trembled with indignation. At their death, the world looked on complacent, indifferent, or exalting. Yet here, out of the 25 poor men and women were found 14, who by no terror of stake or torture could be tempted to say they believe what they did not believe. History has for them no word of praise. Yet they, too, were not giving their blood in vain. Their lives might have been as useless as the lives of most of us. In their death, they assisted to pay the purchase of English freedom. End of quote. Cardinal Hosius, a Catholic in 1524, the president of the Council of Trent, says, 
were it not for the Baptists, were it not that the Baptists have been grievously tormented and cut off with a knife during the past 1,200 years, they would swarm in greater number than all the reformers, end of quote. The 1,200 years were the years preceding the Reformation in which Rome persecuted Baptists with the most cruel persecutions thinkable. Sir Isaac Newton. The Baptists are the only body of known Christians that have never symbolized with Rome. Moshiach, a Lutheran, said, Before the rise of Luther and Calvin, there lay secreted in almost all the countries of Europe persons who adhered tenaciously to the principles of modern Dutch Baptists. Edinburgh, a Presbyterian encyclopedia, records, It must have already occurred to our readers that the Baptists are the same sect of Christians that were formerly described as Anabaptists. Indeed, this seems to have been their leading principle from the time of Tertullian to the present time. Tertullian was born just 50 years after the Apostle John, after the death of the Apostle John. If you haven't done so, would you turn to Matthew 28 and would you stand with me please if you are willing and able Matthew chapter 28, here in verse 18, I'll just read from uh, these three verses. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you once again for this opportunity, indeed the privilege to preach your word. Oh, once again I ask that you provide unction from on high, the power of the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sins, to teach us your truth. Dear God, I pray that as we go through the preaching of your word, uh, Lord, that indeed you'd speak to the hearts of your people. It doesn't matter what I say, but what really matters is what your word says. And so, dear God, I commit this time to you. Meet with us, dear God. And Lord, I pray that your will and way would be accomplished in this place, in this hour. We give you the praise and indeed the thanks. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. My dear ones, my dear ones, my dear ones, the doctrine of baptism by immersion is indeed a biblical doctrine and not something to make light of or be dismissive about. Many men, women and children, lost their lives submitting to it. I say it again. 
we are not Baptists just because we baptize by immersion. No. But because we follow the teaching of God's word. You see, I'm concerned this morning that with all the narratives, with all the different views about baptism, I am concerned about the different modes and the justification of each one. It grieves me to see that the reasons behind why a believer should be baptized is lost. Lost with all the preferences, lost with all the persuasions, rather than the biblical practice of what baptism is really all about. The practice not only of the early church, but more importantly, the practice of Christ himself, who is the head of the church. And so this morning, I would like to focus back on the why. Why should, be, why should a believer be baptized? Why should a believer be baptized? And it is my prayer that by doing so, our opinions, our persuasions about baptism, be reconsidered and that we will all be fully persuaded as to who and what we biblically believe versus what I say or what any other person say for that matter. We already know the Great Commission. And may I say, the Great Promise as well. To go and teach, that means to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. That is why we baptize, again, not to make Baptists out of them as a religion, rather we are following, obeying what the Lord Jesus commanded his disciples uh, to make other disciples before he ascended back to heaven. Beloved, I say it again, it is our last standing order. That is the last command that the Lord gave his disciples and by application us this morning to go and make disciples, make followers of Christ. Now for our purposes this morning, I'd like to just present at least three reasons why a believer should get baptized. First is the command of Christ. Which one? Which one? Well, the one that we just read as our text. We find the Lord Jesus spoke to his disciples after he laid down his life at the cross for our sins and then rose from the dead. He had fulfilled the Father's will and he accomplished salvation for man. 
And now he commanded his disciples to proclaim the good news of salvation to every nation on the earth and make disciples, make followers of Christ. Finish the job that he started. We first need to go. Go where? Go to anywhere and everywhere. Maybe across the street or perhaps across the seas. Second, we baptize those who follow Christ, which we are about to do so shortly. And finally, he tells us to teach new disciples to observe. That means to obey all that he has commanded, and that includes, of course, baptism. Somebody rightfully said, to become Jesus' follower is to give your whole life to trusting Jesus, following Jesus, learning and obeying Jesus' teaching, and following Jesus' example. So you're a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. Then you need to show that fellowship by baptism. Isn't that what Jesus said, or better yet, commanded in our text? So why be baptized? Because baptism publicly identifies someone as a disciple, as a follower of Christ. Baptism shows that the believer's obedience to the command of Christ and by submitting to the waters of baptism, we are essentially living, and by living it and following through what the Lord Jesus commanded us to do. Now what did, now what exactly did Jesus mean when he said baptize? Baptism, beloved, is a physical and a visual act, as well as an affirmation of believers' union with Christ as his Savior. It is also a public commitment to uniting himself to Christ and indeed his church in newness of life. It is important to understand that the word baptize in the Greek is baptizo. It only means one thing, meaning to dip, to plunge, or to immerse something completely into. The examples of baptism in the Bible were done by immersion. In John chapter 3, verse 23. In Acts chapter 8, verses 38 to 39. And immersion is the best imagery of the union of the believer with Christ in standing in his death, in his burial, and indeed his resurrection. You cannot accomplish that imagery in any other mode of baptism. And so we can biblically and confidently say that after salvation, baptism is the first opportunity that a believer can show his or her obedience to his Savior. Why should a believer be baptized? Firstly, to show obedience to the command of Christ, and secondly, to publicly profess faith in Christ. 
several times in the scriptures gives us examples of baptism. Things of, think of Acts chapter 2, verse 37 to 38. When the people heard Peter preach on Pentecost, they were pricked in the heart, the Bible says. That means they were cut to the heart or convicted of their sins. And as a result, they asked Peter and the rest of the apostles what to do. What to do? And notice Peter's response. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Just a few verses after that, in verse 41, the Bible says that they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day were added unto them about three thousand souls. The Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. He desired to be baptized, said, here is water. What hinders me to be baptized? Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water. Very important. Both of them went down into the water. Both Philip and the eunuch and he baptized him. I ask you this morning. What's hindering you from being baptized? What's really hindering you from being baptized? What is hindering you from being baptized? You see, beloved... Receiving the word and being baptized go hand in hand. All those who received the gospel were baptized. And only those who received the gospel should be baptized. Very important. All those that received the gospel should be baptized. It was through baptism that those at Pentecost publicly proclaimed and professed their faith in the crucified and resurrected Christ. What about Paul and his teaching in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 to 12? Then there, please, Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, I'm going to read from verse 11. Good to hear Bibles being flicked through the pages. Colossians chapter 2, here in verse 11. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the saints of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, 
wherein also ye are reasoned with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. Notice how Paul made the connection here in baptism. The letter, of course, was addressed to the believers uh, here at Colossae. He said that they were buried and raised in baptism. Paul used baptism as a visible, a public, uh, and graphic expression of professional faith in Christ. You can't miss it. And so for Ben and for B and for Jody today is a memorable, memorable day for them. They will get wet, yeah, definitely. Not just wet, but immersed underwater. And then come out of the water, just like the believers at Colossae, just like the Ethiopian eunuch, just like the 3,000 souls in Jerusalem, and most importantly, just like the Lord Jesus Christ submitted his baptism to be. And so should you, if you're a believer in Christ, to openly profess your faith in Christ to the people who cares and pray for you. Pastor, I'm not sure about this public declaration. I don't really want to be the center of attention, this public profession of faith in Christ. You see, I'm a very private person. I know I'm saved, and that's that. I don't need to be baptized to get to heaven anyway. You're correct. Baptism doesn't take you to heaven. The blood of Jesus does. But let me tell you what baptism will do to you. <clears throat> it will, uh, I, I like how one writer and how he puts it. Declaring your faith will deepen your faith. Confessing your faith will confirm your faith. And sharing your faith will strengthen your faith. Now, of course, Ben, B, and Jody uh, are not just going to testify of their faith today and never ever do it again. If anything, today is the first day of their ongoing uh, opportunity in sharing their testimony to whoever would give them a listen and give them an opportunity. Uh, this is what Joshua was encouraging us last Sunday night. Evangelism is many things, but essentially it is us sharing our testimony. And we say it all the time. Whenever we hear somebody else's testimony, we get blessed out of that. If that is true, and it is, why aren't we sharing it? These ones, these three, 
are actually fulfilling what the Lord said in Matthew 10.32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Beloved, sharing our testimony and declaring our faith in Christ should really be part of our daily life whenever we are given the opportunity. Uh, whether in the hospital, in the ambulance like Mark, Benji, and now Brother Eric is doing. We share our testimony. Uh, whether it is walking at your neighborhood, uh, many of you have done that, uh, like the, the graces did and are doing. Perhaps while performing a charity work uh, like Joshua does every Wednesday. While in the nursing home, like John Bertram uh, is doing and have been doing. He even wrote a book about his testimony. And if you haven't got a copy of that book, go ask him for a copy. And by the way, I'll get some uh, good news to share with you, if I may, Brother John. This little book of his is going global. Amazon just approved it. Amazon just accepted the book. And Amazon will make it accessible to the 71 billion people in the planet Earth today. Yeah. A little book. While our brother is bound on his wheelchair, God saw it fit that this testimony would go beyond the confines of the wheelchair. Isn't God good? Testimony. What a powerful thing. For the good and indeed for the bad as well. So make it good. My dear ones, the grace and the greatness and the purposes of God through our testimonies. Let us confess the Lord Jesus before men and let it start by being baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and indeed of the Holy Spirit. And so again, why be baptized? To obey Christ, to testify for Christ, and thirdly, to commit to the church of Christ. As always, it's all really about Christ and never about us. As we learned just a while ago in the book of Acts during the early church, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Those that were baptized were added, were received by the church. You see, in baptism, you step out, out of the world and into the church. In baptism, you declare your loyalty to Christ. In baptism, you enlist in Christ's company. Your commitment to Christ's people follows logically, necessarily, and immediately from your commitment to Christ. Please understand that what these believers did at the time changed the very fabric of their being. It changed the course of their lives. Why do I say that? 
from then on, they turned their back from the teaching of Judaism to Christianity. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, the Bible says, fellowship with the other saints by the breaking of bread and praying together from house to house. They were together and had all things in common. Some of the haves sold their possessions to share to the have-nots. And so I say again, baptism is not just about compliance or a tick-box exercise. It is far more meaningful than that. Now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> Here in verse 12 to uh, 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, of course, we know the context here. Uh, it's in regards to the church and the spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Here we see that the baptism commits a Christian to the church. The body of Christ where many are members and the metaphor that was used here by Paul was of course the human body. The ears, the eyes, the, the nose, uh, uh, the, the, the mouth, uh, the eyes and so forth and so on. It's a shame that in our modern sophisticated uh, Melbourne society and that independent living we have lost the essence of interdependence amongst each other. It was so different back in the early church. All, all they have is themselves. Now, if you dig deeper into this, when you turn a Christian, when you become a Christian in the Judaistic faith at their time, you get disowned. Your family no longer wants to know you. And their family becomes the other believers in the church. And so is still today. You are my family. We are all in it together. But sadly, in the society that we're living in, we have become so independent. We've lost something that is precious. You see, beloved, in baptism, the one being baptized essentially testifies that he or she has placed his faith in Christ, wanting to identify in and with Christ, and is wanting to commit himself to be a part of the body of Christ, to which he or she is testifying to, to be a part, to be a hand, to be an eye, to be an ear. Uh, uh, verse 25, to have the same care one of another. Verse 26, to suffer and be honored and also to rejoice with the other members in the body. To take their place in exercising their gifts, whether they be teachers, whether they be helpers, whether they be governments. That essentially means governance or administration, etc., etc. 
You see, in baptism, there's one, the one being baptized is seeking and committing to be identified with the Lord and His church. And the church extends that welcome and that commitment to that one to accept him or her. And together, both the church and the one that is coming into the church, together they perform the church covenant. To live it out. To perform it together. It's the first thing you see when you enter this building. Calvary Baptist Church covenant. It's not a contract. It's a solemn promise that we make to each other. That watchfulness. That care of each other. Indeed, we perform and live out the church covenant together. Strengthening each other, sustaining each other, and communicating to each other. And I don't mean just talking, but communicating as in meeting each other's needs. Whether that's physical, whether that's mental, whether that's emotional, whether that's social, and yes, whether that is financial when it's needed. Oh, but most of all. Communicating to each other's spiritual needs. To be prayerful of each other. To be encouraging of one another. That's what it means. And so, even through discipleship, even through rebuke, In love. I had a wonderful experience of that over the last few days. A very sweet time of fellowship between a brother and another brother in the Lord. Rebuke in love. And therefore, I walk away from that meeting really encouraged. He spoke the truth in love. And I trust that I did the same. And so baptism is really not just about the mode of immersion. It is really not just about making baptism of the one being baptized. It is really not about compliance to the constitution of the church. It is really not about church membership for the sake of membership. No. All of those are fundamental and important. They are an integral part of baptism. But baptism is really all about Christ. Obedience to Christ and his command. Testifying and declaring what Christ has done. Manifestly through the waters of baptism. Uniting with his death and his burial. And indeed his resurrection into the new Life, And yes, committing to Christ and his church of which he is the head of. To serve him by being a part, a member of the local body. To weep with the body, to rejoice with the body, to exercise watchful care of one another by living out again the church covenant. To and with each other. 
That is what Ben and B and Jody are desiring. And I know that we as Calvary Baptist Church, by God's grace and enablement, would be extending our commitment, extending our care, extending our welcome of them and to the church. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for the opportunity, indeed the privilege, to remind us afresh of why do we need to be baptized. Father, we're contending with all the narratives and the different persuasions about baptism. May we not lose sight of the fact of the why. And may we be refreshed in you that we do what we do all because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For his honor and indeed for his glory alone. As we now prepare 